All right, welcome back, everybody, as we get started here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Uh, today should be fun after what went down yesterday at KOAT in Albuquerque and their story on uh, the uh, situation involving New Mexico State. We also are going to be talking to Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal. I'll take Jeff over the KOAT guys any day of the week, primarily because I didn't even realize this at the point of time, but this article that's talking all about what went down and their expert is Darren White, who used to oversee the state police when he was public safety cabinet secretary. Well, they don't mention that now he's the CEO of a medical marijuana company in Albuquerque, and he's your chief, basically your chief expert. So think about that for a second, all right? Now, I'm not saying what KOAT reported isn't true, but using a guy that hasn't been involved in the last 10 years in law enforcement as your expert, even in the story, look what it says. The first thing it says in that story is expert says coaches didn't cooperate with police investigation. Well, your expert runs a medical marijuana company. That's your expert. Okay. I'll talk to Jeff about this in a little bit. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, and I know I know uh, minor fans are going to want to chime in on this, and so will Aggie fans. Victor is probably on suicide watch right now, our New Mexico State uh, University uh, super fan who calls us. Yesterday I found out that before the game against Simon Frazier, Victor was already at the Pan Am Center at 445. The game didn't start till 7. They're playing a team that really, you know, they – they had no chance, and he's arriving. He's probably calling our show, and then he went to uh, the Pan Am Center, hung out there all afternoon, and then he got to watch the game. And by the way, um, you know, the Aggies ended up destroying the uh, Simon Fraser team, and uh, then they went to, uh, this, uh, to California to play some road games. But, Adrian, one of their players that was involved in the uh, potentially the the big bombshell, which was the yellow Camaro after the uh, after the shooting, hey, he didn't uh, make the trip. No, he didn't, Steve. That's what we found out today, uh, per the report of Colin Deaver of KTSM. I just say this: look, this is one of the bigger stories that you're going to find out of uh, the city of El Paso, the city of Las Cruces, this borderland area in sports for a long, long time. I mean, this is making national news right now, and what we're seeing. And uh, this is a serious story right now. It involves players, it involves coaches, it involves a lot of different people in this story. And we're just going to have to wait and see because, uh, like the report says, there's still hasn't been many comments from the New Mexico State side of things right now. That's very true. New Mexico State hasn't commented. By the way, you can comment 505-6009 here on Sports Talk today. That's 505-6009. So the story broke last night, gave us a lot of details about the events that happened. Look, uh, the the point is this. There are some very very troublesome details. Now, the question is also this. How did KYT find out about all this? How did they get access to find out about a yellow Camaro that had three ball players in there? How'd they get that information? 
Yeah, your guess is as good as mine, Steve. Every- but the uh, the information that they posted yesterday, uh, I get it. Look, like you're you're gonna cite people who might not have the credibility out there. I get that. But the meat of the story, which is that there was uh, clearly something that was put inside uh, the yellow Camaro, which uh, we later find out uh, had three of te- his teammates, Mike Peake's teammates, Issa Muhammad, Marcel Savory, Anthony Roy. That's alarming, right there. It's a, it's a really a, it's, it's really yep. an alarm story when we're putting this all together and uh peak putting items into the trunk of that car before it drives off and uh later on you fe- you find out that an assistant coach had the gun at a hotel room i mean it, this story just got way way worse than where it was before now here's the thing they received according to this story they got a report but it doesn't say anything what like what this report was how did they get a report what is this report was it a police report? Was it somebody that, that um, you know, gave them, tipped them off on something? All they said is they got a report. It's a sketchy situation. It really is. Because nobody knew anything until this thing came out last night from KOAT. And one of my biggest issues is this, okay? That's one media outlet, one media outlet reporting on what they said happened. And they were graphic. I mean, they even said that Mike's, Mike Peake was trying to have sex with a 17-year-old in the story. Yeah, very uh, interesting allegations right there by this uh, TV station. I'm not trying to defend them, by the way. I'm, I'm saying that there is definitely a line between responsible reporting, reporting the facts. I think there are certain paragraphs, certain areas of this story specifically, Steve, that were very sketchy. Now, as far as report, maybe it's police report, maybe it's a campus PD report, that kind of thing. Maybe it's also uh, an accumulation of both or, or well, something like that. But, I mean, to have these details the way that they had them, it, it was really telling by that news station. If it was a police report, wouldn't everybody have access to it? That's I, I would I would think so as well. I would um, think so. Local stations here would, obviously, they all would in Albuquerque. I've, I have so many questions for Jeff Grammer. When he joins us, coming up in a little more than 10 minutes from the Albuquerque Journal, I want to find out. But my question is this. Like, okay, if this report from KOAT in Albuquerque was so damning that you would think they're all getting fired, right? You would figure that um, hires gone, the coaches are gone. Heck, Mario Mocha could be gone. If, if this report is all true and everything that they and all the accusations are true, then, yeah, you think heads are going to roll at New Mexico State. But we don't know that right now. That's the problem. We have no idea. NMSU hasn't made any comments. Nobody had any comments until this whole story broke last night. Yeah, I feel like even the way that the story is introduced, kind of uh, framing it like a car, you know, like a high-speed car chase on I-25 where the bus has to pull over and the cops have to end up going to, you know, locate the bus and all that kind of stuff. I feel like the way that they started this story was also misleading, right, Steve? Because how are you going to make those acquisitions right there when you don't know the full story or you don't know why the team left as early as they did. A lot of accusations. It sounds like an it sounds like a Dateline story is what it yeah. sounds like. I'm waiting for Keith Morrison to show up and uh, and and all of a sudden, you know, next thing you know, it'll be on uh, primetime in El Paso because yeah, that's that's kind of the storyline. Um, it's interesting in the sense that. What the one thing you'll when you read this story again, and um, it was put out on uh, koat.com last night, and then others have piggybacked off of it. Um, it's it's one side. New Mexico State has not commented at all on anything right now. Nobody's commented other than this particular uh, story that that went down. 
So that's what to me is is thinking before you rush to judgment, remember, it's one side of the story, and a lot of people right now are picking apart KOAT for the way they handled this story. Like I said, their main expert, who is ready to just throw everybody away and put everybody away, has not been in law enforcement for years. And he's the CEO of a medical marijuana uh, company in Albuquerque. So take that for what it's worth. They don't mention that in the story. How come they didn't give you his current job? How come you had to do a little digging and find it yourself? Yeah, I understand where you're going with that. I would also say that uh, that's why I'm citing, uh, you know, the Albuquerque Journal, who they do a great job as far as not in inferring a lot of stuff. That's why we got good Jeff Grammer coming up next to talk a little bit more about what we actually know with this story versus what's kind of, you know, murky as far as the details go. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, um, but I do want to get some phone calls in from, from people and, and find out. I mean, listen. If it's as bad as the story made it out yesterday, the first thing you say to yourself is, how are they still playing basketball games? How are they not um, How are they not at least shutting things down until uh, they really come to, you know, get to the bottom of all the investigations? That's the first thing I would say. And, and how some of the individuals on the team that were involved that night, you know, some of them are still right now with the team the way they've always been. They haven't, there hasn't been any... Uh, possible suspensions other than Mike Peak and finding out today that Roy was not uh, allowed to go on the trip to California. Right. So now, uh, as the public, we are starting to say, okay, well, who's to blame in this whole situation if this is all accurate? Who's Who do we point the finger at? Who do we hold accountable in this whole situation? Do you hold the coaches accountable for the curfew that was broken by some of these players? Do you hold the players themselves accountable for you know the mishandling of what ended up happening after the shooting, whether you think that's right or wrong with Mike Peak, Do you blame you know even the higher-ups, the administrators, and as far as the handling uh, of how this all transpired. That's what the public right now is rushing to do, to blame somebody in this situation where I'm coming at this from an approach that I just want to see all the facts play out and I want to see all the details when it's all said and done. We got more details. That's one of the things we asked, but we still have a lot more unanswered questions as a result of this. Do you remember, well, you might be a little young for this, but back in 2008, Stephon Jackson was at UTEP and he eventually went on to be the all-time leading scorer in UTEP history. Well, he was arrested because uh, he was uh, trying to hide his cousins who were involved in a shooting back in Philadelphia, and they fled all the way to El Paso when police finally got him, and they put them all in jail. And we took calls at that point because there were some fans that felt that if if um, Stefan was trying to protect his, his cousins and knew what they did, that he should be kicked off the team. That was a major, major story uh, almost 15 years ago. Well, Stefan got out of prison. He was able to clear his name. Uh, went on to become the all-time leading scorer. Is still considered one of the most popular uh, UTEP players in the last 20, 25 years. And everything worked out okay. But that was not – Stefan Jackson was not directly involved. He just was trying to, um, you know, protect his family. This is a totally different situation. This is involving one player – who we already know shot and killed another individual and got shot in the process. And now, according to the uh, story last night, three of the players named, by the way, all named according to the story, were in a yellow Camaro, which, again, makes you wonder, how did they find a yellow Camaro at 3 in the morning 
if you know the way teams travel, they bus. They don't drive cars. They bus. So if the team buses over from Las Cruces to Albuquerque, how in the heck do three guys jump in a yellow Camaro and uh, and try and, and help out their teammate who had just been shot? How does that happen? I have no clue. This is where, again, more uncertainty, the cloud of uncertainty continues to hang over this team because it's a road game. They all got on the same bus together. They were all, you know, in the same uh, team facility together, whether it's a hotel or whatever, you know, ahead of the game. How, where is this Camaro coming from? Who had it? Who owned it? Who drove it? Those are all the questions that I have around that because that will lead us to more of the answers when it comes to all this. Where to point that finger of blame? And I, I remember that Stefan Jackson incident. If I remember right, he was arrested back in Philly. He was arrested here in El Paso. In his apartment. But then he was tra- yeah, and he was transported out to uh, to Philly over there to face the charges. I remember also Bob Stoll came out immediately afterwards saying that they were going to have to you know see the, the ramifications, uh, you know, what ended up actually happening before determining whether he was kicked off the team or not. But yeah, I, I do remember that incident. But the difference with that one, isolated incident, this one, like you're mentioning right there, Steve, involves players and coaches. I don't think Stefan ever was charged in, in Philly. I don't think it ever went that far. I think he was actually, um, you know, absolved of any uh, issues, um, you know, in, in the uh, in the months to come. But it was a bad story at the time. It was big. That was back in the days when uh, Tony Barbie had just taken over the program from Doc Sadler. And he was just trying to uh, settle in, and that that was a big distraction at the point at that point. So, yeah, like I said, there's just a, a lot to cover on this. Now, uh, Jeff Grammer is going to join us next. I have questions for Jeff. Hopefully, he has some answers. If you've got questions and you want to get into the show, there's a lot of ways to do it. You can tweet us 600 ESPN El Paso, call into the program at 505-6009, or message us on our mobile app powered by First American Bank for uh, three ways to get right on in. And through to the show. Great to have you here on this Tuesday as we send it off to Charlie One. Let's get our first traffic update of the afternoon. 20 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's head to the phones right now. Jeff Grammer is joining us. Albuquerque Journal. Been with us over the years quite a bit. Probably never covered a story like this before. Um, I would say this is probably new to you, Jeff. I mean, we were going back in time to the Stephon Jackson incident back in 08 when... Uh, UTEP's all-time leading scorer was trying to protect his cousins who were involved in a shooting in Philadelphia, and that put him in jail. And some people used to call us and say that they should have kicked him off the team just for trying to help out, uh, you know, and and ultimately try to protect, uh, you know, his family from getting uh, caught. Which, you know, think about what happened. He was released from jail and 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 didn't uh, didn't spend any time in prison for what happened, uh, and became UTEP's all-time right. leading scorer. But it's been a while. That's 15 years ago, pretty much. And now here we are talking about an incident that is much more detailed, much more graphic. And um, I got to give you guys credit because KOAT to me. They broke it, but they had a lot of holes in the story. In fact, um, they went with their expert who hasn't been in law enforcement in a number of years. Uh, But it looks like uh, Elise Kaplan put together the police report. And in the journal uh, late last night and today, much more detailed versions of what went down. Yeah. So I I will say this um, about KOAT. You're a media partner of ours in that we, we do sometimes share things like police reports or um, things like that. So we got the report from KOAT. Uh, when I first heard of the story last night, it was during the, the Aggie game, and it was when they tweeted out their story. And I'm like, wow, this story, geez, look at this. Then we got the report from them, and 
read through it, Elise and I, and um, Elise certainly doing the uh, the heavy lifting. I was writing two basketball preview stories because the Lobos play a game tonight. Um, but yeah, Elise and I went through that report and and wrote a different version. Um, it, it wasn't a different version of facts, but uh, it certainly um, we you know we'll, we'll stand by. I guess I, I will say we'll stand by the way we we wrote ours, which we thought that the news of it had to do with a state police officer talking about some players that were at the scene that maybe took a gun um, and put it in the trunk of the car and they were helping their teammate do something. And that was essentially what we thought was the news of all this. Um, and, and KWT, they, they took a different, I guess, approach to it. That's a good way of putting that's it. The, the, yeah. The nice way to say it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly. We still have, listen, the, the police report mentions things, but we're still, still a lot of questions. Number one, how do three players at three o'clock in the morning suddenly come up with a yellow Camaro? Right. Um, I will say the report throughout. And, and let, let me let me add this for anybody that doesn't know. I think most people get it. Um, two days after the shooting, uh, or may, might have even been Sunday night, so maybe one day after the shooting, um, when the first charges were released, the arrest report for a couple people came out that had very limited information, but it very much spelled out at least the part of these UNM students planned to attack at a, a revenge plot to attack Mike Peak because of this fight from the football game, right? So there was some information there, and everyone sort of jumped on those stories saying, look, that's the whole story. Well, no, let's be careful. Like, that wasn't the whole story then. This report comes out last night, and page report, it's only a supplemental report of what will probably be hundreds of pages fully um, when all when things are all said and done. So even this report last night, whether you want KOAT's version, our version, or whatever version that's out there, I, I want to caution people that's still not the full report. There's still questions we've been asking for weeks that haven't been answered. That includes who the guns belong to. That includes who all was there, why they were there, who the car belonged to. All these things that we've been asking for weeks and other media as well, I'm sure, um, still hasn't been answered. They're not in the report that we have read so far. Police have not responded to some of the questions. I can tell you, I talked with a detective or lieutenant with the state police last week, last Tuesday, the day of Greg Hire's um, press conference when he when he gave his his uh, read his statement. Um, that day, I talked to the state police and said, "Okay, can you tell me how many guns were recovered and where they were recovered and who they belong to?" And the response I got was, "All we will say is both guns have been recovered and only two were involved, and we, as far as the rest of it goes, it's an ongoing investigation." So that's what state police themselves told me last Tuesday. So we've been asking about this gun, and I knew the gun situation and, and its whereabouts immediately after the shooting um, was going to end up being a story. Um, I didn't know the way it played out exactly, but I knew that there was something to it, and I've been asking since last Tuesday, and state police knew that. So yeah. they haven't yet said everything, and they won't for a long time. A lot of this at this point it's handed over to a district attorney who decides, okay, we're going to go after this charge on this guy. We're going to go after this charge on that guy. And at this point, the DA's office really kind of decides who to go charge now. Good point. Good point. Um, and you mentioned the highlights. Uh, the details of the shooting were mentioned. They talked about how many times um, Travis was shot before he passed away. Uh, they talked also about the players involved in the yellow Camaro. They talked about, you know, the gun being or the, the trunk being open, things being put there. 
uh, to the point where there was even, um, you know, the pursuit of the bus. And we were wondering why the bus was pursued. Well, they wanted uh, they wanted yeah. Mike Peake's tablet, which apparently was on the bus and turned over to officers once they found it. But the crazy thing is also how the um, the police immediately afterwards tried to do what they could with the coaching staff. And uh, you know, uh, some of this stuff you read is it it wasn't they weren't cooperative. Yeah, let me let me shed as best I can the light that I know from reading the report. Again, this is all based on a, a police officer's report, but let me let me shed light on the two things that came up there. First, this, this bus pursuit. Um, the report makes clear that the the officer was at the hotel when he saw the bus leaving, and, and there was no attempt to stop the bus. He knew it was leaving. Now he had asked to talk to the players before they left. And that wasn't granted, but like he knew the bus was leaving. So it wasn't like, I, I do think it's unfair to suggest that they skipped town or something like that um, because the officer was at the hotel when he saw the bus leaving. Okay. Now, an hour or two later, at some point, um, I think after talking with Mike Peake in the hospital, uh, he, they found out, well, wait, you had a tablet. Where was, where's this tablet? And that's when they found out about, um, or maybe it was because they reviewed the the video at this at, by this time. At some point after the bus had left, they realized, wait, we got to get something off that bus. So they had been calling the coaches again per police reports. They had been calling the coaches, and the coaches weren't answering. At one point, um, they finally said, I, we got to go get this bus. Then, if they're not going to answer, the people on that bus aren't answering their phones. It's going straight to voicemail every time they called whoever they knew was on that bus. They said, well, well, we got to go. So the officer does say he turned on his sirens and started down south on I-25 um, before he got down there. I mean, at this point, the bus was already past Socorro, uh, you know, at least halfway down back to Las Cruces. And at some point, a New Mexico State University police officer made contact with state police and made contact with the people on the bus and arranged for them to pull over at a rest stop. State police then met them at the rest stop, got what they needed, which was Mike Peake's tablet. I, I think it is unfair to suggest that there was some sort of skipping of town by the NMSU um, team a, on that bus. And if there had been, there would have been a lot. It would have been a lot sooner than you know past the coral already before they pulled them over. Now the next part about the coaches and what they knew and when they knew and were they cooperative? Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't look good. But there were conversations in there. All of this, the police officer says, were recorded on his his lapel cam. Um, and all these conversations are recorded, which will be made public at some point. So it's not like it, it's not going to turn into a he said, she said. Apparently, all of this is recorded. And when he talked with the NMSU administrator that was on the trip and when he talked with the assistant coach and, and Greg Hire, the head coach, every time he talked with them, there was discussion about, well, let me check with our attorneys. Let's see if we need attorneys. Let me check with the athletic director to see what we can and can't do. There was a lot of that going on, which I think comes across as uncooperative. Um, when it, it, at this early stage, if you're giving benefit of the doubt to anybody, I think anybody in, the, in that position probably will check with their bosses with what to do. That doesn't mean I'm saying they were overly cooperative because they certainly didn't come across that way. But it does acknowledge in the report that the coach said, well, let me check. Let me see what I can find out. Or let me go ask my boss. Let me ask, you know, if the players want an attorney before they talk with you. Because they asked the coaches, can we talk to those players? And eventually the coaches told them uh, they want attorneys. Yep, saw that too. And and again, there's three players involved. Anthony Roy, who's not on the trip to California, Chichi Avery and uh, Issa Muhammad. Now, Muhammad and Avery are both 
in California with the team on this trip. And again, that's another interesting question is that once this story was released and we heard the uh, the identities of the three players, remember, we knew that there were players. We didn't know how many and we didn't know for sure who they were. So when we found out it was three plus peak and their names were identified last night and one of them's not on the trip to California today, it raises even more questions about this story. I'll, I'll point out, too, um, that there's no implication that this other Aggie was at the scene of the shooting or anything like that. But the, the article today in the journal did point out that Dominique Taylor was in the hotel lobby at one point, and some players came in through the lobby at 1.10 or 1.15 a.m., and he just pointed to the, to the elevator and said, get upstairs to your room. Um, the police report does indicate that there was other Aggies that weren't then in the Camaro later that night. So at that point, at 1.15 a.m., there, there, there were even more Aggies and, you know, that maybe were out when they shouldn't have been, not saying they were certainly not in, implicated in the crime or anything. But th- this wasn't even just these four, um, Mike Peake and the three that are now you know, seen in the video in that Camaro. Um, so so there, were some, there were some issues going on that night, and the police report states you know, other names too. And, um, again, not to suggest they were implicated in any fashion, with being involved in the shooting, but it does say that there were even more Aggies that were maybe out of the hotel when they weren't supposed to be that night. More with Jeff as we hit the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Adrian right now and get this Sports Center update. And talking about the latest in the New Mexico State shooting uh, for uh, a couple of weeks back up in Albuquerque. All right, so the Aggies today announced they're going to have a third-party investigator. Uh, to handle this. And then with the New Mexico State Police and the third party, they'll issue their report, among everything else. They've been very tight-lipped on this subject. Um, I don't know if they were not expecting this report to come out anytime soon, or they didn't think that um, you would have it as quickly as you did. But the details really puts this program in a very bad spot. I mean, I I can't look at, at what happened last night when KOAT broke it and then you really went more into detail on the police report side and send the details out. And there's just, there's not a good look here. And, and it's not even the incident itself. It's what happened afterwards. It's how the coaches were handling things with the police. And ultimately, the gun itself that was back in the hotel, instead of just turned over immediately, those are kind of some of the things that you're really wondering about right now, Jeff. Yeah, and and, and I'll say this. I, I talked to Mario last night during the basketball game and, and just said, hey, I don't know if you've seen the KOAT report, but now we got the report. We're going to be doing our version of the story as well. Um, can you comment? And, and he couldn't. Um, I, I I strongly believe that they did not know that story was coming out last night, that they had no idea KOAT had gotten a copy of the report. Whatever level of cooperation they've had in the past two weeks with state police, which I, which I believe, I, I haven't gotten any indication that over the last two weeks there's been some high level of uncooperation or anything like that. So um, that first day, in the initial reports might be a little different depending on how you want to read through those reports, but that's up to you know, everybody can make that own judgment. But I don't think over the last two weeks they've been uncooperative. So I do think the NMSU was you know, blindsided, might be a little bit much, but I, I don't think they were expecting state police reports to be released yesterday. I don't think that they thought that somebody at one of the media outlets, either in El, El Paso, Las Cruces, or Albuquerque, was going to have leaked to them, as KOAT did, um, this this supplemental report from one of the officers. So the full report's going to be 100-plus pages, right? And this is about a 10-page report of that 
that got leaked to KOAT. I do think state police very soon, because this report was out, I think state police now is going to say, okay, we're going to we're going to release to everybody a lot more of this information now at this point. Um, but I I think. NMSU was surprised because I think they felt they were cooperating with state police. And if state police were going to coordinate a release of information, they would have given NMSU a heads up. Instead, the media gets a hold of a report and says, nope, we're reporting this. And uh, I do think NMSU last night anyway was a little caught off guard. Now, that doesn't mean that for two weeks they couldn't have been prepared for this moment. They could have at every turn um, handled things differently, and, and certainly they've received some criticism for their handling of this. So that's another thing. People can make their judgment on if they've handled any of this right, and that should have they been prepared last night, even if they didn't know the report was coming out, they probably could have still been prepared to some extent for when it did come out. But I, I think what we're finding now, and the reason they hired a third-party investigator is, man, maybe they didn't know everything. Maybe these reports are revealing some information that, that not everybody knew initially, and, and maybe the full story wasn't relayed from either players to assistants to head coaches to administrators. It's possible that maybe they're learning things. They're like, okay, it's been two weeks and we still don't know the full story. Maybe we need to get a third party in here to, to handle it themselves. Jeff, uh, Adrian back here. There, there was a, a coach who was cited a bunch throughout this. Dominic Taylor uh, cited throughout yep. the story. Uh, now, I want to get something clear from the, from the actual report itself. When the detectives were trying to work with him or, you know, whether it was the state police actually trying to uh, meet up with the bus itself, my, my big question over all of this, are there any coaches from the report that you saw, are there any coaches under investigation right now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, under investigation, sort of a certainly a loaded term. They're part of the investigation. Um, I think that at this point, if if there's any question about a coach's role in a possible cover up, they might be a part of the investigation if there was a cover up. Um, But I I wouldn't say there's a target right now being investigated for a crime. I I get no implication from reading the the, again, the, the limited part of the full report. Um, the 10-page report that I've read, I get no indication that any of those coaches are being the target of a criminal investigation right now. That doesn't mean that a larger kind of uh, criminal case that's being maybe established by the DA's office or anything like that for cover-up or conspiracy or tampering with evidence charges, that doesn't mean that they don't think a, a coach at some point maybe didn't do his full duty with, of, with the law but um, I, I don't have any indication. To, to answer your question, I don't have any indication that they think anything has risen to the level where a coach will be charged with a crime. But, again, I, I preface all of this with this is a 10, page, 10 pages that we've read out of what's going to be well over 100 total. One of our listeners, uh, Adrian, at Enemy Win the Number 3, just tweeted the show, Steve, why would the Aggies spend the night when the game is only three hours away? Now, I know when it's UTEP, New Mexico State, they would bus over and, and play the game and then go bus home afterwards. They wouldn't spend the night in El Paso before the game. But generally speaking, even if it's a night game, I know it seems logical to just go the day of, but a lot of the times these guys like to at least get a workout in in Albuquerque, get a good night's rest and not have to worry about keeping the guys and their legs on a bus for three hours before they're playing the game later that night. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you get back east and schools are a little bit closer, you'll see more bus rides. But even even back east, and anytime you're getting over an hour, hour and a half in a bus, you don't want legs um, cramped up in a bus for that long and then expect them to just go through a shoot around and be ready to play a, a full Division One basketball game that night. 
So I, I can say that other than the Division II um, opponents and the non-Division I teams like the NAIA, NAIA school that UNM and NMSU have played, Northern New Mexico College, other than those opponents, I, I think 100% of the opponents that come travel to Albuquerque to play fly in the day before. And I know UNM travels um, out when they go to Cruces. They also go the day before. And it's, so they can get a shoot-around the night before and then the morning, the day of the game, they can do their morning breakfast and, and kind of walk through and some team meetings and stuff like that. So not uncommon, not saying if, if you have a problem with teams that do that, that's fair too, but it's not uncommon at all. This wasn't sort of a, an abnormal situation where they came up the day before. When the smoke clears and this whole thing is finally done, do we uh, see coaches losing their jobs? Could this go as high as Mario Mocha since ultimately he's in charge of the entire athletic department? I mean, look, I think it's fair to say all that could happen. We've seen stuff like that happen at the universities around the country. But uh, I'll, I'll go back to, at this point, saying that everything I've read, that initial arrest report, the uh, report I read last night, which wasn't an arrest report, just a supplemental report to the overall investigation, everything I've read to this point, while it doesn't look good necessarily, I, I don't know that anything rises to that level just yet. But, you know, it, it certainly indicates that, man, that, if, if this is the completely accurate story, it sure doesn't look good. Um, so could things happen like that? Sure. But I haven't seen anything yet that would necessarily rise to that level. But, man, who, who knows once we see this full report. Interesting to note that the report you've talked about, the report the Journal and KOAT wrote about, is, as you've said numerous times, the supplemental report, a 10-page report that accompanied the original uh, police report and not the final version. So this was simply uh, something that had a lot more information. Nobody really expected it to come out yesterday, but it did, and uh, as a result, it was released and uh, gives us a, a much better picture of the events that took place. But as we've said before, we'll say it again, we haven't heard anything yet from the New Mexico State side of it. And maybe when it's all said and done and their third-party investigation and, and, and New Mexico State police are done, we'll hear what their version of these accounts of the story will be. No, I agree. I I, I, I caution everybody in, in, in reading anything I write about this or my colleagues write. Or KOAT rights or, or anything. Um, right now, the, it, the the information being released is reportable, and there's news in it. it. There's that news value to what's going on to to these reports. And when people are arrested, you write about it. But that doesn't imply that this is the full story. The the original arrest reports, we weren't going to wait on those until the entire investigation was done. No, we let people know the day after the shooting when people were arrested and what we knew about those arrests. But I knew then that that police report wasn't full. It didn't answer hardly any of the questions. Same with this one. Just because it's a police report doesn't mean it's the whole story. And I would caution everybody um, when, when hearing any of these stories to think that it's the full story. Because, look, if, if the news out of the story last night surprised you, it's because you didn't have the full story before. And if the news of the arrest report surprised you, it's because you didn't have the full story the, the morning of the shooting. It's because more information is yet to come. Well put. Jeff, as always, terrific stuff. Really appreciate you coming on the show, and thanks so much for the time today. All right, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Jeff Grammer, folks, Albuquerque Journal, joining us here, 43 Pass. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one. Still to come, your phone calls, your reaction, as well as Kalei Griffin. He'll reflect on uh, what his life has been like since the Shark Tank episode on Friday. Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. 
All right, 10 in front of 5 right now as we continue here on Sports Talk. So you've been listening to Jeff Grammer and us talk about the uh, story through the first uh, 45 minutes. What do you think happens when the smoke clears, all the reports come out, all the investigations are done? Does Greg Heyer keep his job as head coach? And do some of the assistants find themselves out of work? Do the players uh, get kicked off the team? Does it go as high as Mario Mocha? Uh, what do you think happens, folks? I'd love to get your thoughts on this um, at 505-6009. We've got open lines right now, so you've got a chance to chime right in. 505-6009 if you want to weigh in. But I am really interested to hear what all of you have to say right now. We've got a line ringing in right out of the gate, which is great. and We'll uh, jump to the phones as soon as um, we can because I think that even though uh, there's more information that's yet to come out, the reports that did come out in the journal and, and KOAT definitely is something that you know a lot of you are probably going to want to um, you know, give your opinion. So let's find out. Uh, first up, we've got, uh, I believe, Andrew who's going to weigh in on this uh, story. Andrew, thanks for the call. Uh, give me your thoughts on everything you've been hearing about with uh, New Mexico State. Uh, a couple of thoughts. The piece from KOAT was, uh, man, I don't think that's good journalism. And I'm glad that Duke Keith uh, sent out the tweet that he did. Um, just kind of, I think it was a little bit of sensational journalism. I completely agree. Take away yeah. That's not to take away from the seriousness of the situation. Um, well, I guess there, there's two there's there's two separate incidents. There's the one that involved Peak. Um, I think that one's pretty clear. I don't know that anyone has any argument of what happened. There's a video of it, and the state police put out a report. You know, he showed up, he got ambushed. We know who shot first. We know he shot back, and he ended up in the hospital. That's all pretty clear cut. What happens after, um, with respect to the other kids? I think uh, we have to wait for the final information to come out. I mean, it sounds like to me, I'm gonna, it's an oversimplification, that they, he panicked and a couple of the basketball players, per the reports that have come out, um, showed up in the car and they, and they took the gun back with them. And then it ended up in assistant coach's hands and it was ultimately transferred over to the police. That's, again, a very oversimplification. But, um, you know, kids are kids, man. I I saw and did crazy things in, in when I was, a, you know, 30 years ago when I was a kid. But um, you're asking, what do you think is going to happen to the program? Um, Moki's been AD for several years. I think he's earned a solid reputation. I think he's a stand-up guy. I don't think anything goes up to the AD. And quite honestly, I don't think it goes up to the head coach. If heads are going to roll, um, per the latest information on what happened with the gun after the incident, uh, I think it could involve an assistant coach. And my guess is that's as high as it would go. Um, but yeah, it's a tragedy all around. And I, you know, I can't help but think that, man, there's so much emotions involved in what I've seen on social media, but really a kid died, you know, even if it, even if he planned the ambush, he still died. And that's somebody's son, that's somebody's, you know, uh, friend. And I think it should be treated in all aspects. Um, I mentioned the KOT, KOAT story, but it should just be kind of treated with respect, if you know what I mean. Um, regardless of what you feel about the Aggies or the Lobos, it's a human tragedy. I guess that's my my feeling. Everything well Sorry said. Appreciate you, Andrew. Thanks for the call. And uh, you know, I agree a lot uh, with what you had to say. It will be interesting to see if 
maybe of all the different people involved, an assistant coach like Taylor is the one that becomes the fall guy when it's all said and done, or does it go up to uh, the head coach, or does everybody, uh, you know, find a way to, um, uh, you know, not have to lose their positions with the school? That's it's the most fascinating part of this story, Adrian. Yeah, look at how uh, the New Mexico State men's basketball team is currently operating. You're having right now the team going on a road trip, uh, all but Anthony Roy right now heading off to this trip right here. That tells you right there where this men's basketball team or how this men's basketball team feels about its current members. I'm with you on that one. All right, Kalei Griffin is about 25 minutes away. If you want to weigh in and follow up Andrew's call, we'd love to hear from you right now. A line ringing in. 505-6009. Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Online open. Our phone number is 505-6009. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. UTEP Zay with us here as well. You know, one other interesting point in that Albuquerque Journal story when they were talking about peak that night. Apparently, the coaches were monitoring the players by phone when it came to breaking curfew. So when Peek went out at 3 in the morning, he kept his phone in his room and then slipped out with his tablet. That way, he was able to communicate, I guess, with uh, the 17-year-old without having a phone. So his phone stays in his room, but he has a tablet with him. Another reason why the police wanted that tablet so badly because they realized that was his chief means of communication when he went out at three in the morning. That's right, and that's uh, as uh, one of the reasons why I guess uh, police were trying to find the bus, not necessarily like a high-speed chase, but they were trying to locate the bus so yep. they can recover that tablet that was in question, which was a huge part of this entire investigation. Uh, it's just interesting, right, because phones, GPS tracker, you can find somebody on your phone that way. Uh, tablet, nah, you, you don't have a GPS. The coaches wouldn't have that kind of access right there. Now, the question is also with assistant coach Dominique Taylor, who apparently had his phone ringer off and missed, like, 20 messages over the course of the night when he finally went to sleep because he was on the watch until like 2.20 in the morning. So when he finishes his curfew watch and then goes to sleep, hey, um, I've turned my ringer off. A lot of people do that. That is a common thing. So I could see that happening. But if somebody's asleep in his room and his ringer's off, you can either find and ring his room directly because these rooms do have phones. It's not like a cell phone is the be-all, end-all. Or you could always bang on his door and wake him up that way if you really needed to. Sure, and and who's to say you know more of the coaching staff aside from Taylor had known at that point? I mean, yeah. we just don't know if that's the case or not. Another thing to mention with when it comes to the, those eleven, or I mean, all, all those calls that he missed overnight. I would say this: when it comes to that, if you wake up to those missed calls, you might call your boss before you call back that number who sure. dialed you eleven different times or however many times over the night. That's a good point. All right, so we got two calls ready to go. We have. Have one line open. Our phone number is 505-6009. The question we're asking right now is when everything is done, when when this whole uh, story comes to an end, what do you think happens to the New Mexico State program? Are they affected by this? Do players um, uh, get released from the team? Are coaches going to become casualties? Could the head coach, could Mario Mocha also be part of this when everything is all said and done? So we want your thoughts on what you think will happen to the NMSU program. Let's go to the phones right now and begin with Jose. He is first up uh, as we continue on Sports Talk. Jose, thanks for the call. What's up, brother? What's up, Javon? Hey, so... You know, it's an unfortunate, you know, incident that happened, but I don't think anything should happen to Mocha or the head coach. You know what I mean? They 
they, they, they divvied out their the, the responsibilities, you know what I mean? And, and I mean, the authority, authority being an old military guy, is like, you you know, you give out authority, but you, you, you take the responsibility, but... Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, okay? You're the head coach, right? You find yeah. out probably whatever time they wake you up about what happens. The first thing you're going to ask is, where's the gun? And then when you find it, wouldn't you want to turn that over instead of, uh, you know, just making sure that as you're on your bus heading back, that at that point when the authorities ask for it, then you tell them where uh, where it is? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I think as the coach, he was just trying to take care of his player as much as he could. You know what I mean? And, I agree with that completely. That, yeah. I agree with that. But that, yeah, but when you yeah, take care, but think about it, Jose. When you take care of your players, you got to be careful because when you're dealing with an investigation like this or the events afterwards, you 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 want to take care of your players, but you also got to be careful. You don't do something that's going to ultimately cost you your job. True that. True that. You, you, you're, you're right on that. But um, as far as some of the players, you know what I mean. The the, the kid the, the kid that did the shooting, obviously the kid. You know, KG Papatini. He's not going to. He won't play at NMSU ever again. You know what I mean? A couple of the ones that helped him out, um, we're probably looking at season long suspensions. But, but I, I just think that the, the coach, Mojo for sure should, should, shouldn't face any repercussions because, I mean, he wasn't even, you know, anywhere near around it. Maybe the head coach, and I just start mentioning it, and, you know, looking looking at it, you know, as, as Mario would require team, and he's like, hey, dude, what, what were you thinking? You know what I mean? And you do have to cooperate fully with that. So, I mean, maybe the head coach doesn't make it out, man. You know what I mean? And the head coach goes, you know, his assistants are going too, man. So, Here's the question, though, Jose. Do you think this affects the Aggie basketball program where this will take its reputation and uh, and, and they're going to have a hard time recovering from it? Or do you think that uh, no, they'll still be no, able to do no. what they've always done? Oh, no, I think they'll be able to do exactly what they've always done. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to. Gonna affect it whatsoever, man. Like that. I mean, some of the play, some of the players are gonna be gone, man. But um, if, if they do give you coach, you know what I mean. They're not gonna. If it was a, it was an incident, and if you really think about it, the, the the kid got set up. You know what I mean. He got he got set up, and 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 and, and kids are kids. You know what I mean. And, and you gotta think about you gotta think about that they're thinking about it through a kid that they're away from home. They don't have any mom or dad to, like, hey, shut them down and actually discipline them the way, like, hey, you're not going out tonight, you know, this and that. But the coaches are supposed to do that, but how much can a coach really actually do when it comes to that? So I don't think it's going to affect the, the program that much. I mean, this year it will because, you know, they're, they're going to lose players. They're going to lose players to suspensions. But as far as going forward, I really don't think it's going to affect them as much as people say or think it will be, man. I, I, think, I, I think the coaches are going to be able to spin it Mario Much has always been able to get if he does have to let go of this coach, he's always been able to find a good coach, you know what I mean? He's always been able to find you. good coaches to to come up and then and he'll be hey, there's a new there's a new sheriff in town, you know, he's gonna keep, you know, and, and they'll be able to spin it and I don't think intimacy is gonna gonna suffer at all. The one thing that they might suffer with is that coming over to conference USA they're gonna face a little bit tougher competition, but but that's about that's about all the only thing that they're gonna suffer with. Brother. Should they take the gun away from Pistol Pete and uh, now just have the mascot uh, not carry any guns anymore? Oh no no no! That's tradition, man. That's tradition. That that that's Pistol Pete. He had that. You know what I mean? And I, I understand. 
but it's a mascot. It's a mascot, people. You know what I mean? I hear you. You gotta. You get. You can't. Can't. Oh man, it's it's a tough subject because I mean, there's gun violence all over the United States, but sure. It is just a mascot. It was a drawing that someone came up with. You know what I mean? And I hear you. It's not that. They, it's not that they're, um, you know, glorifying guns and everything like that. I got to cut you off, Jose. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Thanks for getting in. Let me go to Brian. He's next in downtown El Paso. We got a line opening up. 505-6009 if you want to weigh in. Brian, thanks for the call. How are you? Fine. You know, you're saying that there's a question that needs to be answered. I think there's a question that needs to be asked before that question that you asked is answered. Now, I know it's not the 80s and the 90s, but where in the heck is the NCAA on all of this? In terms of just having rules in case of an incident oh, off the court look, like look, this, come on. Twenty years ago, you couldn't take a you couldn't take a student athlete to the airport without getting fired. You couldn't buy him lunch. I mean, I know things aren't the same way, but my question is: is that is that see, I used to have an old joke. What what happens to IRS agents when they retire? Well, they go to the NCAA. You know. <laughs> I mean, where, where, it, where is their law enforcement entity that's always been so strong? You, I haven't heard that word mentioned by either of the media people or by you all day. Well, let's put it this way. UTEP was put on probation for the illegal use of a copier machine back in the early yeah. 90s. So that's how, far, that's how far things have come these days. And you see with NIL and what's happened and now giving athletes the opportunity to profit off their name, image, and likeness and how things go with the transfer portal, it's a completely different game today than it was. It's, it's apples and oranges, Brian. No, but I understand. But the NCAA still exists, and they still have a multi-billion-dollar campus and they still employ hundreds of people. My question is, where are they on this? Nowhere. Uh, I think they're just giving this. They're just leaving this right now to the university and 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 to the police, and that's about it. There's they're they're not even involved in any capacity right now for this. Don't and you know that because you made a phone call. No, I mean uh, just the when when in the past. Okay, a better question for you. When Stephon Jackson, 15 years ago, got involved in that situation with his cousin, remember that one when uh, you were probably shooting it when he was in jail? And, yes. and the, the, where was the NCAA? The NCAA wasn't there for that either, and that was 15 years ago, Brian. Yeah, well, I, I don't recall exactly which uh, governing body, you know, uh, uh, you know assessed the uh, assess, uh, penalties at that point. But I mean, uh, that was the I, university. I, like I, I, that was the university, and they were they were waiting to see what happened. They never suspend. I think they. I don't even know if they suspended him from the team. They might have actually, while that whole thing was going down, they might have suspended him and then reinstated him afterwards. But never anything from the NCAA back then. Well, I you know I think it'll all shake out, but I I, I think that uh, uh, the I think that. The severity. I mean, one guy shot, one guy's dead, and 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 everybody's still playing basketball. I don't get it. Well, my question is: If you were right now, if if you had to figure out what's going to happen, do you think that uh, Greg Heyer is going to finish the season as head coach? You know, I think it's too early to find that out, but I think uh, that uh, that the hall monitor assistant coach uh, won't have a job next year or next month. Does this affect New Mexico State's reputation as a basketball program when it's all done? It, you know what? With the transfer portal, it may enhance it with the student athlete. You never hey, know. We can go. We can travel and get out of the dorm uh, at three o'clock in the morning and and have a girlfriend or rent a car or whatever it is and go party. Nobody's nobody's going to care, and there's not going to be any recrimination. 
wouldn't that be something if that's how it is yeah. when it's all said and done? Yeah. Appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for the call. Thanks. 14 past. As Sports Talk continues, you want to follow that one up, you can. 505-6009, our telephone number. This comes from John on Twitter. I can understand the players scared and helping their teammates, but the head coach not collaborating with the police immediately. He should be gone. If the AD knew this, he should be gone as well. How can you trust them to do the right thing? It's a gun, for goodness sake. Coming from John, Adrian. Yeah, it's really interesting right there. I just want to cite something that we have uh, that has been reported before. Uh, men's basketball head coach for NMSU, Greg Heyer, he was not available to talk after the incident transpired. Ten days afterward, then he did talk. He expressed condolences for Travis, the the UNM student who was fatally shot. He gave condolences to his family, and then here's the key part, Steve. He said that he took responsibility for the actions that his players uh, who snuck out of the hotel in the morning of the game. So he took accountability for those actions right there. If you're going to take accountability early on, you have to be ready for what's to come after the fact. No doubt about it. we got another caller coming in here at 15 past. We'll get to uh, the uh, caller, and then we'll take a break and uh, come back, and uh, we'll talk to uh, Kalei Griffin and find out how Shredskins is going after his appearance on Shark Tank. But in the meantime... Uh, nope, we, I guess, lost the caller. Uh, we had them on, but uh, not uh, going to bring them uh, with us at this point in time. All right. Uh, meanwhile, this came from Garrett, who tweets us, Does this read to you as administration did not get the same story from coaches and or players? And here's what he's referring to. Quote, if there is anything we should have done differently, this report will let us know. In the last day, we have received a number of new questions regarding this case. Unfortunately, some of what's been reported in the media is information NMSU has not been provided, Arvizu said. To be fair to all involved, it's important to have a more detailed understanding of what has occurred. That is fascinating because that's with the third party uh, announcement that they're going to go with a third party investigation. And if what Arvizu is saying is that the supplemental report is information they don't have, then Adrian, that really makes you wonder, did, uh, did the players and coaches and those involved cover up to their own university some of the details following the incident uh, that's uh, th- that late uh, Friday night? Yeah, I can make that inference right there based off the, the uh, statement that you just read. And to answer Garrett's question, yes, it does read to me, that's, that statement right there does read to me that the administration did not get the same story that coaches and players got. Also, Chris Banks 21 tweets the show, the fact that the coaches had been tracking Peak by his phone isn't a good sign and sounds like he's been having problems. Again, uh, that, that, that could be it too. Maybe they track all their players by phone. Who knows? Maybe that's what they're doing right now to try and uh, keep tabs on their guys. They, they just uh, you know look at their phones and that tells them exactly where they're supposed to be at that point. That could be it as well. All right, we'll come to uh, Charlie One. Let's get a traffic update. Then we'll come back. Clay Griffin next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 21 passed. Get back to your phone calls on the New Mexico State situation here in a little bit. Before we do that, uh, one of the last uh, few days it's been for Kalei Griffin, the former UTEP miner, owner and operator of Shredskins. Goes on Shark Tank. And as everybody watched on Friday, what a great story. What a great ending. And uh, Kalei joins us uh, next uh, here on the program as we continue. Hey, great to have you back on the show. First off, how are you? 
Yes, sir. Hello. Great to be back. I am, whew, I am uh, relieved and uh, a little, little overwhelmed, but I am overall feeling really good. Really good. <laughs> what was more overwhelming for you, the last four days or learning the UTEP playbook when you first arrived in El Paso? Oh, man. You know, hey, I'm not going to discredit the UTEP playbook because um, I feel like being a football player should have its own major with the playbooks that you have to learn week in and week out. But definitely the last the last four days, of course, man. I mean, it's uh, it's been crazy. It's, it's the busiest that I've ever been. Uh, but it's an adrenaline rush. I mean, it feels good, right? I mean, it's better to be busy than not busy, right? <laughs> it really is. It, it really is. And by the way, even prior to your appearance uh, Friday night uh, on Shark Tank, it's been a while since we've talked to you about Shredskins. So uh, why don't you just catch us up on the company in general and how things are going since your last appearance with us on air when we talked about things as you were launching and as things were really starting to grow for you and, and what the last year or so has been like for you. No, for sure, of course. Um, obviously, you know, a lot has changed, but I will also humbly say, you know, a lot of things have, have also slowed down, right? I mean, you build momentum, things come in waves, um, and then they slow down, and then they build back up. I will say one thing that stayed consistent um, is, is TikTok and the social media and, and the platform just continuing to grow. We've uh, definitely have added some partnerships with some fighters uh, along the, the past couple of months. Obviously, you know, we made a pretty big uh, donation or deal, you could say, with, with UTEP and, and the UTEP football program, um, you know, just basically, you know, giving back to the school, right? And uh, ever since then, uh, you know, hoping that, you know, one day Shredskins in UTEP's football program can have some type of collaboration or deal where, you know, Shredskins can be partnered with the program and help, um, you know, football players shed that water weight if needed. And, uh, you know, having that, my alum, you know, be the first college that I do a deal with. And, uh, you know, just over the past couple of months, just been focusing on social media, focusing on, you know, my biggest market, which is fighters, um, and then just focusing on my family, um, you know, everything I said in that, in that Shark Tank episode was real. I, I have bounced around from um, Dallas, Texas to Maryland, to Virginia, to South Carolina, to Boston, back to South Carolina. Um, and now I am based here in Austin. So um, just finally getting my family back together Um you know, obviously, with with the help of, of what's been going on and um, focusing on just being a better dad, being a better, you know, husband, which is new to me, and um, just just focusing on my family. Those, those things are, are very important this past year, I would say. It's some of the biggest changes that I've had. Khalid Griffin with us here on Sports Talk. You mentioned UTEP and this partnership. And Adrian and I have talked about this so many times off air before. I would We would love to see Shredskins and UTEP become almost one. Because like you said, you don't have really any university right now that's on board. You played at UTEP. You mentioned UTEP to them during your Shark Tank episode. And people around here know 
that you uh, you were a minor prior to going on that show and, and starting your own business. And, and I'm really hoping that in some kind of capacity, there are ways where the school and your company will work together because I think it's so important for, for uh, universities to stay connected with their former athletes, especially uh, if they don't play pro ball, but they've had an opportunity to really uh, start doing very well for themselves in the business world afterwards. Listen, I think about this every day. I think, I think it's a great point. And there's like a few things that, that stick out to me that, that kind of blow my mind, you know. And, and I know that, you know, the program has a lot going on. But, um, you know, first off, you know, the elephant in the room, I, I don't know any other Utah football player that, that, that's made a deal with Mark Cuban. So, I, again, we, we've brought people to the league and um, we've had a ton of success. I mean, we have a Hall of Famer. Um, that, that, that played at UTEP. Um, but the reason why I stress that is because, you know, these young kids go to school to be student athletes and not to discredit or to take away their athletic ability. But at the end of the day, we are more than just athletes. We are student athletes. And, and, and these key, I guess, lessons and these key, um, how do I word it? These, these lessons and the things that we are taught as football players, at the end of the day, take us much, much more, much, much further than, than football, right? Because whether you do make it to the NFL, that, that's going to end one day. Whether 99% of the, the, the UTEP roster isn't going to make it to the NFL. And so then what now, right? And I feel like the key traits and the key values, those are the words I was looking for, that we learn through our coaches, um, through Coach Dimmel, through Coach Cox, through Coach Neely, through Coach Shad. These are coaches that, through Coach Johnson, these are coaches that, that have literally changed my life as a man um, that better helped me set my life up to be um, in the corporate world, to set my life up to be a leader, to be an owner, to, to be accountable for myself, to have the leadership. I mean, some things aren't taught, yes. But these are, these are things that, that are instilled in us um, day in and day out. I mean, even back when I was with Coach Kugler, right? Like making sure that you are accountable on time with getting your grades straight. And I, and I say that um, to say that I, I have had this emotion since I, since I pretty much started Shredskins. Um, honestly, full transparency. I mean, I, I even submitted a, a Shredskins UTEP uh, version you know, to them. And I've talked about it multiple times. So, hey, it's just a waiting game. I am uh, patiently waiting, though. You know, things have definitely changed where um, my focus is going to be towards um, the people that in the programs that that want to work with me. But the the door is currently open. And um, if the UTEP program staff wants to set something up, I mean, I would be more than delighted to to have that be a, a serious partnership and, and to top it all off, even after airing nationally, El Paso, the great city of El Paso, was the number one city um, to target the site and support. So I will forever love El Paso. I will forever um, you know, be grateful for the support that they have shown, and uh, it means a lot. So I think that that's a no-brainer, and I would love to set that up. Clay, uh, I want to take you all the way back to the year of 2020 when you started Shredskins. If I went back to Clay Griffin uh, in 2020 when you started and I said that you'd be on Shark Tank, 
you'd probably say, yeah, I, I got, I, I am going to be on Shark Tank. Can you talk a little bit about the confidence that you had going into this business and just knowing, hey, I'm, I'm going to hang up the cleats right now. I'm not playing professionally football, but I'm dedicating my life to this. No, for sure. So it, it's weird, right? Because it's like you have to have this confidence, right? But you also have to stay humble. So it, it, it's the fine line of manifestation, right? I'm a firm believer in, you know, the more you speak on something, the more you spread positivity. Um, you know, I, I was on the show last time with AJ. I still talk to AJ um, often. And, you know, he speaks about it all the time. And just like, what is it going to do for you complaining? So when I'm, when I'm asked, you know, two years ago, before I even thought really anything about even, you know, applying or, or, or anything for Shark Tank, I just knew that if I continue to put my, my energy and my positivity in towards actually doing something, then that's going to give me a better chance of saying or giving you a response saying, ah, no, that would never happen. Well, what is that going to do for you or me, right? Instead, just being like, you know what, I am going to be. One day, one day I am going to be because you know what? I would rather use those odds or speak on those odds and, and bet against myself every single time. And in and, and, and full transparency, I, I, I truly had no idea the first step on even how to even make that happen. I just felt like I manifested it. And I know that that's such a loaded word, but I feel like I just put all my time and energy into accomplishing something. And honestly, it's just the beginning. Um, so again, you know, staying humble, but having that confidence of just believing in yourself, right? No, no one can ever tell you you're, you're, you're wrong or, or arrogant or cocky for believing in yourself, you know? And I feel like once you do that, you take that first step of just, just taking a step back, realizing that, hey, be humble, treat everybody with respect, but be confident in yourself. I, I truly feel like you can accomplish anything. More with Kalei as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let me go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We're back right now with Kalei Griffin, former UTEP miner, CEO, founder of Shredskins, uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Well, we've talked about a lot how the company's grown, um, your relationship, and what you would like to still do with UTEP, uh, what it's been like for you, the travels, moving around, and, and adjusting to the family life, being married with child. Um, and now here we are, we're about what, four days since that uh, Friday episode has aired. Is it almost impossible to describe to our listeners what your phones and what it's been like for you since, uh, that, uh, episode aired Friday night? <laughs> A little bit. Um, it's funny because there is some people that completely understand, right? Like some of my, my closest friends and family, uh, have kind of just took a step back and gave me some space. Or they'll, they'll, they'll write me and they'll say, look, I, I know your phone is probably um, going crazy. Just just contact me when you get a chance. So it's, it's a form of understand, understanding um, for, for some of my families and friends. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's what you would imagine. You know, it's what you would imagine, right? Like you're, you're on a national televised show, uh, multi-million uh, views. And, um, you know, it's pretty neat to think about all the people that, that you've impacted in their life at one point, and then all the people that you newly impacted um, that, that give me the, the, uh, the compliments, you know, that that's awesome, you know, for them to take time out their day and, and write me whether I haven't talked to them in, in 10 years or 15 years for them to be like, whoa, like, you know what? I, I remember him, 
Um, let me just reach out and let him know that I watched and and I, and I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, the phone has definitely been crazy, but um, time management's huge, <laughs> and uh, just taking deep breaths and and just breaking it up in segments, right? So not uh, not trying to get to get everything done in, at one time. That's unrealistic, and and just break it up. So yeah, it's been crazy. I think the fun part is 2023. I mean, I have absolutely no idea what next year will hold for you and for this business, but it's fun dreaming about that, isn't it? And especially trying to think about uh, it's almost probably impossible for you to even plan it because you just have to wait and see how things start to unfold here in the days and weeks and months to come and see really uh, you know, how things, uh, how things uh, start to grow for you. I completely agree. I mean, you literally took the words out of my mouth, right? It's like you could only imagine what the possibilities could be. Um, and like I said earlier, like at the same time, staying humble, but being confident. Um, obviously, we're playing at a, at, a, at a bigger scale now. But, you know, just, just kind of keying in and focusing on the day-to-day, staying consistent, um, sticking to, the, to what the plan was before this, and just using this as a platform, um, and also, you know, being partners with Mark, you know, using that as a platform to uh, just continue to grow and stick to the basics, but at a higher scale, right? I'm a firm believer in like, you know, don't change up, you know, don't, don't try to reinvent the wheel. What's been working for you works, just add on to it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely been something that keeps me up at night, quite literally, of just the possibilities, but the possibilities aren't going to get there if I stop working. So we're, we're, we're right back at it. We're, we're right back to the grind. Um, we're just making sure that every, every box is checked and making sure we're sticking to that day-to-day. Uh, Kalei, you are definitely looked at as an inspiration to a lot of student-athletes out there right now. For those uh, student-athletes who uh, might be kind of you know, following your journey, what advice would you have to them or to young entrepreneurs who also want to have success in the business world? You know, that's a great, that's a great question. I mean, so much. And I think about it often because I was actually talking uh, to someone about it today. And it's one of those things where it's like, I I want to inspire those that don't want to give up on a dream, but I also want to inspire those uh, that are maybe in this, this weird area of feeling like they can't let football go. Right. And so the reason why it's complex is because some student athletes, this is all they've known. This is their dream. So it's like, I'm not going to give up, um, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the, the age that they are, regardless of, of what's going on, I'm not going to give up. And then it's, it's that other side where it's like, you know, I am more than just football. So I can't speak for everyone. But what I will say is that one thing that I want all student athletes to remember is that, again, you know, or athletes or, you know, regardless, like you are more than that. And that's okay. That doesn't mean give up on your dream. But just also understand that the level of success or, I guess, your, your idea of success doesn't have to be NFL or nothing. The, the friends and family that love you are going to understand regardless if you make it or not, and, or NBA, or, or the, uh, the pinnacle of whatever your sport is. And I think it's just important for uh, student-athletes to – to realize that it's going to be okay. And you have the toolbox, no exaggeration, you have the toolbox to do whatever you want to do. And, and I also believe that you are a step up from, from other, other students because you have, you've had to manage 
Um, mind you, this is with the exception. Like there's some students with, you know, a ridiculous major or, or, or a crazy GPA. Um, but, but I feel like on average, you know, um, you have so much to deal with, so much to balance that you have the ability to either become your own entrepreneur and run a business yourself or get an amazing job and, and, and crush it. There's nothing wrong with, with getting a job. There's nothing wrong with, with taking a leap of faith and stepping away from football. And, and I think that that's very important to remember that just because you didn't get to your childhood dream doesn't mean that there wasn't another plan for you um, all along, you know, whether you're religious or not. Um, there, there's always a plan for you, and, and, and everything happens for a reason. So if things are going a certain way in your life, the reason will will present itself eventually. And stick with your heart, stick with your gut. And if that's telling you to stick with your sport, or if that's telling you that it's time to hang it up, be confident in that. And I think that's very important. Kalei Griffin with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. The owner and CEO of Shredskins was on Shark Tank last Friday night and is back with us here on the show. I'm curious about one thing. Since we talked about student-athletes for a minute, would you like to see yourself and the company, as it grows, get involved in the NIL game? And uh, as you've given back to the university and supported UTEP football, maybe you now also specifically go after student-athletes and put together NIL deals for them since now you'll be in a position where you'll be able to do something like that. Oh, Steve, listen, I, uh, I've tried this with UTEP. <laughs> so I've actually tried this with UTEP in the past. Um, I did make an announcement that I was going to give any UTEP athlete the ability to be an affiliate and get paid out through Shredskins. And um, a, a, a ton of people did contact me, um, but it just, it, 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 didn't, it didn't play out the way I wanted it to. Um, I ended up trying to, you know, try to quote unquote sign a couple athletes. Um, it didn't work out. Obviously, you know, student athletes are, are hungry, quite literally. Um, and, you know, they're, they're after the money. And, and kind of like what you were saying, like before, yeah, I didn't have the budget to do certain things. I mean, hey, in the future, um, if things play out the way they want, want, like the way they're supposed to, yeah, I have no problem um, trying to set up something regarding the NIL and, and paying student athletes because um, the biggest thing for me is not not the image, right? Like if you think about it, um, you know, my, my market is quite different, but it's more so to support them. And I feel like that's so important. Why? Because I had a kid, um, in college, right? I was, a, I was a, a sophomore, junior in, in college, right? So I had a child living off a scholarship check. Um, mind you, NIL didn't exist, but if I had an ability to represent a brand, my social media has always been good. If I had an ability to represent a, a brand, to put some extra money in my pocket to, to quite literally put food on my family's plate, I would have done it. So for me, it's, it's more than just, um, hey, this guy's the next biggest wide receiver, or, hey, this guy's the best guy at UTEP. Um, I'm giving every athlete the ability to be an affiliate, especially through UTEP, if they want to be, right? Because at the end of the day, you, you get in what you get out. So um, the, the way the model is set up. So at the end of the day, um, the, the option is open, and I actually <laughs> I actually proposed this last year. So um, just, just waiting on UTEP again. <laughs> 
Well, I love it. By the way, one last uh, tweet before we wrap it up from Eddie Morelos. He tweets, I need shred skins. I use sauna suits very often and loved that they have an eco-friendly option. I wish the meal prep folks would follow their lead. There you go from our pal Eddie. Nicely done, Eddie. Appreciate That's that. Awesome. And uh, great. And, and hey, Eddie, if you're, li- if you're listening, Eddie, re- reach out to us on Instagram. Um, I'll get you a code. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'll get you a code and and get you a, a hefty discount off of off of your first or your first order of shred skin. So go ahead and, and DM us on Instagram. And, and thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Good job as always, Clay. It's great to talk to you and uh, congratulations on everything. We'll look forward to uh, the next time you come back to town. We'll see you soon and uh, have you back on the show uh, when we uh, when we get the opportunity. Yes, sir. Thank you both, and I uh, appreciate you and El Paso. Thank you so much and. Uh, Again, I hope to hear from you guys soon. Thank you. You will. He's Kalei Griffin, folks, as we continue. Uh, 5.44 now the time as Sports Talk rolls along. We'll wrap up hour number two in a moment right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Front of six. Hey, we're getting a lot of good rush today. Keep it going. Make it a rush Tuesday. I like that. I like where you're going with that rush Tuesday. Uh, sometimes they pop up twice in the rotation. This is one of those rare instances. Um, I agree with you. Oh, and there's another one scheduled already. Good. Like, right, right after this. That's hilarious. To start the final hour? Yeah. A little Tom Sawyer, what are you playing? Uh, Anthem. Ooh, yeah, that's good, too. I like that one. Uh, can I I, I want to start picking some Rush out, too, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, you should. You should pick out a lot of these. I look forward to it. Uh, UTEP Zay's in the studio today. Our 600 ES Piano Paso Lubingo Oil Changer Studio. He's been sitting in listening to today's show. Uh, Zay, there's a lot of topics, uh, to say the least, uh, going on in the show today. Yeah, this is a. I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm just sitting back, chilling, listening to this. What about Clay Griffin, man? How how cool is that? That's sick. That is literally awesome. I know. Did you get a chance to watch that Shark Tank episode? No, but I want to. Is it like a way to watch it, like on replay, like on? Yeah, demand? you have. Well, yeah, you have on demand at your house. Uh, no. Um, YouTube TV. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I do got that. You can watch it on that. Okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. It was, okay. it was like the end of the end of Friday's show. So just like watch the last fifteen minutes of the episode. Skip through all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. I agree with you. Hey, uh, give me your reaction to that New Mexico State stuff that broke today or yesterday, last night. This just keeps getting wilder and wilder and wilder. I mean, I didn't even know about it. I woke up in the morning. I, I went on TikTok, and it's the first thing I see. So this is like wow. national. Oh, wow, I was right. Wait, wait. It made t- TikTok. It made TikTok. Yeah, like it had like two hundred thousand likes. Seriously? What did? What had 200,000 likes? So this guy was, like, talking about it, like, giving down the rundown about the article and everything, and I was like, wow. Some random dude was just on TikTok and had 200,000 likes? Yeah, he's like a guy who tells, like, explains, like, he's a sports guy. He's a sports guy who talks about sports, and, well, he I guess he saw this article, and mm. now 200,000 people have, too. Adrian, we're in the wrong business. Why aren't we doing TikTok professionally? So he narrated this video, Steve, like basically just summarizing the story and putting it together. And I'm like, wow, we, 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 instead of summarizing that, we take a comprehensive look over three hours and we take calls around this. But maybe we should condense our format to just uh, a minute, 30 seconds. I like that. I think that's a good idea. Is that how long his was? Minute 30? Yeah, I think he posted a couple of videos just like explaining the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. And he got 200,000 likes? It went viral, and it also poured into, like, Instagram. Like, that video, that same TikTok video was shared on, like, Instagram. Same with Twitter. So I'll have to send you the link so you Did can see what it looks Fit like. Fit Fam pick it up? Uh, they may have. I, I haven't checked Fit Fam today. I, they may have. All right. Well, come back. We got one more hour to go. Dallas Cowboys update, top of the hour. And then, hey, uh, back to your phone calls. We asked you earlier, 
Today, the meeting, listen, as much as I'd love to talk about Tom Brady and the uh, Saints choking last night, uh, the big story is what's happening out at New Mexico State. So I want to get your thoughts. we got one more hour to go. We'll do it uh, with more calls and tweets. The Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.
Back here on Sports Talk, third and final hour underway. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. 600 ESPN El Paso. UTEP Zay in the house as well. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. The big story. The drop last night on New Mexico State. The latest. Uh, we've asked this question. What do you think will end up happening when it's all said and done? So we want to know. How do you think it's going to go? And what will happen? Love to get your thoughts on that as we continue here on the program. Um, and and that means everything. I mean, do you think that um, anything will happen to the coaches, more players, or ultimately will this, you know, when time passes, will the Aggies just continue to go with business as usual and uh, and deal with it the way they have all season? I don't know. I mean, you know, Mike Peake's been suspended um, indefinitely. Anthony Roy is having – he's not with the team right now. So who knows how the – you know, what's going to happen with, with uh, Chi-Chi Avery and uh, Issa Muhammad. Yeah, especially as this investigation continues. Uh, something that Jeff Grammer said earlier, we are definitely wondering if the state police from New Mexico will now um, kind of speed up the process knowing that this was leaked out to a uh, TV station out in Albuquerque. I'm curious to see if that is the case. And then something that was brought up earlier, uh, Brian from downtown mentioned it. Uh, I've seen now some people on social media uh, cite the NCAA and why they have not gotten involved. Uh, Just to cite something that happened almost 10 years ago. Remember when UTEP was caught up in that gambling scandal with uh, some of their their players at the time? Mackenzie Moore was probably the most notable player. That's one of those stories right there. When it initially dropped, Steve, uh, they did not make it an NCAA. Issue. Instead, it was the FBI who who swooped in and tried to talk about the issue. It was not the NCAA that was coming down with the hammer. There was an NCAA rule that if any players is caught with uh, for gambling, they would be suspended for a year. But all those three players were already seniors, so it didn't count to them. Well, I never really thought that the NCAA gets involved with police investigations. Right? Yeah, I've I mean, never really, police. I've never, I've never seen that before. So, and the truth is, is that you know, years ago. You couldn't do anything without committing an NCAA violation. Remember when UTEP got probation in 92, illegal rides, illegal use of a copier, some of the, you know, giving out giving uh, uh, sh- uh, shoes to an athlete. Some of the some of the craziest things you've ever heard uh, were part of that and just about every violation that hit UTEP in 92 now is um is completely, you know, um they you wouldn't they wouldn't even they wouldn't even think twice about even looking at you uh if if these same things happen this time around. Yeah, and another thing is when we're talking about actual violations that the NCAA will come down on, look back on the UTEP football team. Remember, they were sided with some violations of having too many coaches at practice. As a result, Dana Dimmel, uh, you know, he he had a fine. He had to actually sit out of a couple practices on his end uh, because of that. And, you know, the NCAA came down with some violations against UTEP. That's an NCAA issue. This is not an NCAA issue, in my opinion, because of, uh, you know, the fact that it's a criminal investigation handled by police. Now, as a result the police findings that could end up being an ncaa issue but that we we don't know what those findings are just yet no that's true that is true i'll say this when utep first received the three years probation um they gave it to him because of john staggers uh that was the guy from um la that really warranted everything and um you know they they 
They called it, it was so interesting, they said that they found a wide variety of secondary violations that indicated a casual attitude toward NCAA rules by the coaching staff, and they said that the university wasn't doing a good job of educating athletic officials about recruiting rules. So, all I know is, when the Miners fired Russ Bradbird and Greg Lackey, um, they they did so hoping that the NCAA would take those self-imposed sanctions and not put them on probation, which they obviously they, they made an example out of UTEP, and that's what stunk. And the Miners and UTEP didn't fight the NCAA. They didn't appeal. They just took it. And you think about what, and it was big, big violations. Like they cut the number of UTEP school-paid visits by recruits from 15 to 8. They cut it in half. You know how hard it is to hit on recruits when all of a sudden you have basically half the recruiting uh, paid visits like like you like you should have. Yeah, and you know, conversely, you look almost uh, twenty years after the fact of this uh, of when this came down against UTEP. What happened with Sean Miller and the whole FBI scandal at Arizona? I'll give you a quick nothing. answer. That's it. Nothing. Nothing ended up happening. So how things have really changed from now uh, from now, uh, and when you compare back then, uh, I, I just don't – I think it's hypocritical in all, you know, in all different aspects. I think the NCAA, maybe the bigger question to this issue right here, why are we even dealing with the NCAA anymore? They didn't help out with the COVID-19 pandemic and helping reschedule different teams out there or come up with solutions for teams they didn't help out they're not stepping in or they choose to step in whenever they feel uh, is most convenient to them and maybe when the FBI is out there uh, telling them that they need to come down on these uh, on these different universities or players so uh, I, I mean I guess maybe another question uh, sidebar question is why do we even have the NCAA at this point I don't know to me it's a joke nobody even pays attention to them I can't wait for you know it's just a matter of time before college football separates from them and they do their own thing with the playoff and they don't even let the NCAA NCAA uh, be involved. Yeah, I mean, the college football playoff as it is, or even just Alabama, Ohio State, the powers that be, those those schools right there have way more money and influence than the NCAA currently has right now, and that, that's factual. I don't care if uh, the NCAA tournament does generate a billion dollars in revenue. Totally agree with you. 505-6009, that's our telephone number, 505-6009. The question we asked earlier in the show is, what do you think will happen to New Mexico State's basketball program, if anything, when this is all done? Will anything change? Or will this pretty much be the same as, as it's been? And that was the question. I mean, when the story first broke last night, and KOAT and then later on the Albuquerque Journal did their story late. I didn't even see the journal until today. The bigger question is, um, at that point, you know, would would the coaches even survive after what went down? And now you're like, well, yeah, they probably will. I mean, you know, it, to me, Adrian, when the incident first happened, if the university was going to take a, you know, a very, very drastic uh, approach towards the, uh, the coaching staff, they probably would have done it within the first couple of days, unless, unless... The supplemental police report that came out yesterday that was released to the media was information that NMSU was not aware of. Maybe it's possible that some of this information was not disclosed internally to New Mexico State when they were investigating. 
that could be a possibility too. And I feel like that was what was hinted today in what uh, NMSU released as far as getting a third-party investigator to look into this. Maybe some of this caught them off guard, yep. blindsided. Maybe they even just want to clarify some things that were found out in the police report that they might not have, uh, or, or even the reporting, not necessarily the police report, because we don't know if NMSU actually has this police report right here, but they want to clarify some things that were mentioned in the reporting, uh, whether it be to clear their own names or to just set the records straight internally yep. uh, to better understand what happened. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. 11 past the hour as sports talk continues. So if you want to weigh in, we'd love to get your thoughts. We had some calls earlier on in the show about it. Some good calls, some good takes from some of our regulars. We haven't heard from Victor today. Ugh. You know what, Steve? I'd be hiding if I'm Victor. He may have called before the show even started, and I missed him. You know, that that's definitely a possibility. He may have called, like, at 345, wanted to be on deck, and then he thought, you know what? Adrian and Steve are not ready early on. Maybe I've just got to I, I gotta wait. Maybe he just could. Oh, maybe that's him on the hotline right there. Maybe he's hiding under a rock. Who knows? Yeah, that, that definitely could be the case. Les Crucis. That is my favorite Twitter handle today. Les Crucis. Tweets the show at Crucis Less. Question. If a UTEP athlete was defending his life, feared for his life, thought he was going to die, and he killed somebody that was attacking him with a pickaxe, would you expect uh, to remove all pickaxes from campus? Okay, that's a that's a crazy uh, hypothetical to even bring up, but I'll bring up the hypothetical he really wants to bring up, right? Because the guns. He, he wants to talk about Mike Peak defending himself. Am I arguing against that right there? No, as a as a person right there. But where I am wanting more clarification is how is the handling of him breaking curfew and then going off to a, you know, a place where he ends up being lured, robbed and then has to fight for his life. How does that, you know, who's who's to blame there in the direction of leadership or maybe the direction of people who are supposed to look over the men's basketball team at that point at the same time though okay do you really think the coaching staff had any idea that their student athletes were trying to sneak out at three o'clock in the morning bringing a tablet instead of a phone to hook up with a 17 year old that according to the so again uh, a television station is reporting that it was about sex, but um, and, and in case you're wondering, the legal age of consent to New Mexico is 16, but the, the Albuquerque Journal didn't go there. That's why I'm saying the TV's report was more, it's like yeah. something you would get out of the National Enquirer than it was uh, out of a television station. Yeah, I mean, the first uh, le- you know, the lead of the story talking about how it's kind of a wild speed chase, it wasn't that, No, right? this, is, this was not the Dukes of Hazard. No, and it was in a bus that was speeding off, you know, and uh, police sirens that were trying to you know, find this, that's that's not the case right there. I know. Line ringing in, 505-6009 here on Sports Talk as we continue uh, with this story. But it is a, listen, it's an interesting one. There's no doubt about that. And New Mexico State is now having a third-party investigator, uh, investigative team to go along with the New Mexico State Police investigation. And they're working on their end for it and uh, – who knows? Uh, we we might we might not get the resolution to this for quite a while, folks. Understand that too. Even though it dropped last night, it's possible we don't get an answer for a while. Really, uh, as we continue here on the show. So, if you would like to weigh in, uh, we'd love to get your thoughts. In fact, we've got about forty-five minutes to do so. So, give us a ring 
that would be the time to do it, and uh, we can get a chance to uh, talk to you as we get ready for Charlie One. But before we get ready for Charlie One, hey, I need to tell you about uh, what happened with Valeriana. Now, uh, Valeriana lived out in Horizon, but she needed to sell her home there because she was having a very difficult time emotionally. And that's when she decided to um, join up with Brian Birds at the Brian Birds Home Selling Team powered by EXP Realty. And help and reassurance from Brian and his team allowed that home to be listed for $255,000, sold for $5,000 more than that. Man, Valeriana was grateful to have such a caring team on her side during this difficult transition and transaction that took place. But you got to realize something. This begs the question. Are you worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home? Well, don't worry, because number one, uh, Brian's got you covered. In fact, um, you know, he has people right now, as we speak, ready to buy homes. In fact, if your home lists between one hundred fifty dollars and $300,000, he's got you taken care of right now. So all you have to do is get on the phone. And call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Brian Bird, 751-1500. Online at brianbirds.com. Or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. And then you could be on Sports Talk just like Valeriana was today. Hey, El Paso, have you heard? To sell your home, get Call Brian. Olivia Paso Metro. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, here is Joe Golding earlier today talking about DePaul. Thanks to uh, Adrian, who was there at practice. For you guys. Yeah, great opportunity. Obviously, busy week. We got finals going on right now, so we got a lot of uh, you know guys taking finals and a lot of academic work, and then obviously trying to practice and use this time to get better. And uh, got a great opportunity to play a Big East opponent on national television on Saturday night in the great city of Chicago. So great opportunity for our team and our program to go play against a really good team. What are you guys going to be doing there off the court aside from just the game? Yeah, you know, obviously going to see Chicago. We're going to use a little bit as a bonding trip. Uh, to, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to really leave besides the Texas game, and that was a quick trip. We flew in and flew back, so. We'll get in Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon, uh, obviously practice Friday night, um, get up, have a shoot around, and then play Saturday night. And then Sunday we're going to uh, kind of team bond a little bit and go around the city of Chicago and sightsee and do some different things. So it'll be a fun trip. What about, um, you know, after the loss to New Mexico State, you cited the Charlotte game from last year. What about that game reminded you of that New Mexico State well, I, loss? Well, really was just telling our team, man, that, uh, you know, not everything's going to be great all year. You know, every season's a journey. You know, you're going to have some hiccups along the way. Uh, you're going to have some adversity along the way, and how you handle those times uh, determines your season. That was the first time we've kind of laid, uh, laid an egg or however you want to say it. We didn't play the way we want to play. We were frustrated in that, and, and how we respond to that um, was going to be, you know, one, uh, one, one face of adversity uh, throughout the year, and, and I was interested to see how our team was going to respond. Uh, Charlotte was the same way to me that year. That was kind of a, you know, we'd had some different times in uh, our season where we faced adversity last year. The Charlotte game was one. We didn't play very well down there at Charlotte um, and then had to go to Old Dominion right away and play a really, really good team. And I thought our team handled it really well. And, and we won in uh, at Old Dominion in overtime and we kind of took off and won five or six or whatever it was in a row. So uh, comparison, I don't know if it's a comparison, you know, but again, uh, things are going to go your way and how you handle it. And this is the first time that we, our team, being a new team has had to handle some adversity. Now-
All right, good stuff from a Joe Goldinger earlier today, and um, I, I like it. In fact, um, you mentioned the uh, Otis Fraser news with that nagging, uh, le- uh, you know, that nagging leg injury. Uh, that is also tough, um, but. The fact that they're getting some guys back more than anything else is uh, is a pretty good sign when you when you're talking about you know ultimately having what they need they need it as much of a of, of a healthy Dos Anjos as possible. You get Malik Zachary back, so really the only one you're missing right now is going to be uh, Otis Frazier uh, for the game uh, coming up uh, against DePaul. And unfortunately for minor fans, uh, they have not seen UTEP at its full strength or complement all year long. I mean, DeSantis gets hurt in the first minute when he plays at Texas. They don't have him in the lineup till right about now. Malik Zachary out of the mix for a little bit. Otis Frazier now out um, indefinitely. Maybe he's uh, week to week with this UTEP basketball team from the indication I received, but they're going to take that one slow. Instead of uh, kind of allowing Frazier to dictate what he wants, uh, Joe Golden kind of said it like, hey, they're shutting things down for him right now, and they'll reassess things in, in a few weeks. So we'll see what happens with Frazier. If he comes back by La Tech, that's next Saturday. I think that's a stretch. Maybe he's back by the Sun Bowl Invitational later this month, and uh, that's definitely the injury to watch because they're going to need some scoring help. Uh, Otis Frazier being out really hurts. What about Derek Hamilton? Do you think because of what we saw in such a limited number of minutes on Saturday – we might see more and more Derek Hamilton, especially now that Frazier's on the mend. Well, I I could see that for sure because with uh, Derek Hamilton, what you're allowed to do now is you could slide Sibley instead of being at the three spot. You could slide him to the four, or he could play the three. They could go a little bigger, have Zarek, Kevin Kalu, or Derek Hamilton. But one thing that uh, fans should definitely know out there is that uh, there were three guys who were there at practice You know, to begin things. It was first Garrett Levesque, who's always there, number one. He's always shooting free throws, which you like from a walk-on for sure out of Coronado. Number two, uh, Zarek Onyema came into the gym, and the third person to be in there was Derek Hamilton. He's working on things. He only played six minutes off the bench but scored double figures against Northern New Mexico College, and you just need to have more playing time for him. It's it, Whether it's the five-minute spurts off the bench or, or getting that extended amount of time, he just needs to build that conditioning. That's my only issue with him. I don't disagree with that. I think that's going to happen and, and come into play, but it almost reminds me of one of those guys that, because he has such an impact when he comes in, use him. I mean, I know the, the original plan was to redshirt him, but as far as I'm concerned, hey, a guy like that, I mean, he's only going to get better when he gets to see more and more minutes this year. Uh, kind of reminds me of how UTEP should have handled Casey Eziagu his first year. That year, you know, they, they give him some playing time. Then they end up burning the red shirt. But I still felt like he deserved more playing time that year just to, so you could see what he had. This year with Derek Hamilton, the thought is, oh, let's redshirt him. Don't worry about this. Let's do that. But he's come a long way since he first got here uh, yes. from the JUCO ranks. And, yeah, there's an adjustment that he needs to make. But there's no doubt that he could ball. I, I could see that whenever he steps on the court I, I i can too and he's got a body that you just can't teach because he moves people that's the hardest part but he's definitely not the quickest guy on the court um you know you can you can sense that if they can somehow shed pounds with with the easy i always thought that he was built like uh you know just like someone that was um he was a specimen the best way to put it he was a physical freak so I, I look at Hamilton and I see the opposite. I said, well, you know what? You, you want to see him slim down, which he has already. But I still think that when he goes in, you know, he can, he can move people around. And that's the most important thing.
Yeah, he's going to body people down low. He's going to use his body. Uh, I like guys who can use their butts like to box out and to like make your presence known on offense. Uh, Derek Hamilton definitely can do that. He boxes guys out left and right, and uh, he's one of those guys that fans really like. They've, they've gravitated toward Derek Hamilton over the past couple of weeks. That's because they've seen the last few years what that big kid at, at La Tech will do to you. That's right. They want a Kenny Lofton. Yeah, the only difference is that uh, I don't know if Derek Hamilton could just start coming in and dropping 20 and 10 every single game the way Kenny Lofton did. And uh, Hamilton also has probably about four or five inches on Lofton. But, man, was that guy uh, effective. Is he in the NBA right now or is he in the G League? Yeah, so he's in the G League right now for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Word is that he will be elevated at some point this year. They love him over there. Actually, right now, he might be uh, brought up to the active roster. I think he kind of goes up and down between the Memphis Hustle and the Memphis Grizzlies. But all indications say that uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. has been doing some good stuff. Not averaging great numbers right now in the G League, right? But that's not... I'll tell you this. That's I got news for you. You know, Kenny. You know what he's averaging a game? How many points? What is he averaging? Twenty-seven and a half. Oh, that's great. That's oh good yeah, no- he's that's good numbers. He's he's lighting it up in the G League right now. Yeah, I'm looking at his per game average in the NBA, but really hasn't got minutes. Like I can't tell you. You know, he's averaging three points, a rebound, and an assist per game. He hasn't played enough. Like how how can I make that assumption when he's only played maybe a handful of games his uh, NBA career? Yeah, that's very true. Now, uh, I am looking down to see if I can find what Bryson Williams is doing in the uh, G League, and I have to try to get to that uh, soon enough. But, yeah, interesting when you talk about um, how good we've seen uh, Lofton. He's third in the, he's fifth in the league right now in scoring. He's been a machine. Man, he's just got to be uh, one of the NBA G League favorites, whether it's fans or, or whomever. Uh, I just love the fact that he's doing it at that level, and he deserves it. Bryson Williams, I know that he was uh, bouncing around uh, the G League's first. He was signed over with Miami. That didn't work out, so he uh, got a shot with the Clippers. I'm not sure if he's still on that G League roster right now. I'll check it out for you. We'll do that when we come back. Final countdown next, 600 ESPN El Paso.